Welcome to the Tamarin Learning Podcast, where host Dr. Kirby Ross Plock speaks with experts on many topics relevant in the ultra high net worth family wealth management space. Kirby is author of several books, including The Complete Family Office Handbook, and shares her expertise consulting with families and family offices. Kirby is also the founder of Tamarind Learning, an online wealth education platform that develops practical, foundational learning programs for beneficiaries to help them prepare for responsible stewardship of wealth. Welcome to the Tamron Learning Podcast. My name is Dr. Kirby Rossblock, and today we're talking values-based leadership with Betsy Fort Lewis, and she is from the Inner Will Leadership Institute. So I'm thrilled to have Betsy here today to talk about this incredibly important topic that honestly can move the needle for many individuals and families as they're facing some of life's toughest challenges. So welcome, Betsy. Thank you so much, Kirby. It's a delight to be here. Well, I need to know more. I am so curious to know how did the Interwell Leadership Institute get founded and started? What's the history with the luck companies and, and where did you fit into this whole mix? Absolutely. So I will start with uh, the luck journey and then I'll tell you about my journey, if that makes sense. So Interwell Leadership Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, we exist really to teach other leaders how to build values-based organizations, which ignite the potential in people, um, values-based families and individuals. Luck companies, on the other hand, is this country's oldest and largest aggregate company. So many people ask, how in the heck did you go from taking big rocks and crushing them into little rocks? And now you're doing like leadership stuff, like how do those two things connect? And the story, as it has been told to me, is um, after about an 85-year history as a very successful business, um, the current president and CEO, Charlie Luck, was coming in as the, the, the new CEO from his father, Charles III. And he came into the business at a time where things were growing very rapidly. Um, you know, on paper, they were doing all the right things. It was a super exciting time for them. Um, but he realized pretty quickly, you know, you start hearing things by the water cooler or walking from a meeting that, hey, this isn't the same company that it was when your dad was running it. You know, something's wrong, like culture's changing. People care more about, you know, signing the new deal than they do about, you know, having that contact and kind of developing the relationships. And as the saying goes, you know, you'd be in one meeting with, with a group of individuals, agree on something. And by the time you got back to the desk, you know, you're like pulling knives out of your back. Yeah. And so <laughs> he recognized this pretty quickly and said, what am I going to do? How are we going to fix this? And he was, um, I don't remember who had given him the name of this person, but somebody said, hey, you know, they're doing this thing down in San Antonio. There is um, a company called Holt. They are a family that owns the largest Caterpillar dealer in the country. They also own the San Antonio Spurs and they're doing this thing called values-based leadership. So maybe give them a call and, and see, see what they're doing down there and check it out. 
And so we brought up a consultant as we do, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the consultant comes up from Texas. Uh, Luck Companies is based in Richmond, Virginia. He's wearing a big old cowboy hat, so all, all hat, no cattle. He comes in, he says, I want you to get all of your top executives in a boardroom, shut the door. Charlie's like, got it. He pulls out notepads, he gives everybody a pen. There's a group of highly competitive executives around a room. And he says, I'm going to put on my stopwatch for five minutes. And I want you to write as many things as you can that are wrong about this company. Go. So people are like, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. I'm going to write everything. Like just filling up the whole sheet. And after five minutes, he says, stop. And he pulls out a $20 bill. And he says, I've got $20 for whoever wrote me on their list. <laughs> and so it was that first aha moment for charlie where he was like oh if i want this company to change and i want the people in this company to change i need to change but charlie mm -hmm. really 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 took it to heart and so for him that was really kind of the beginning of what i would call the values-based journey um not just for him but for the workplace and then for his family and ultimately these values-based leadership principles and practices were shared with every single employee at luck companies and wow. every single luck family member and people started taking note so clients would ask you know or customers would ask like what's in the water cooler over there like why are your people so happy like what what what's going on why is your salespeople so wonderful to work with like what's happening and so around um must have been around 2008 as we all recall it was a very blessed time where there was a thing called a huge recession <laughs> and for the first time in the company's history they had to do a reduction of forces um it was really really difficult yeah and around that same time charlie actually got quite ill and was spending you know 23 out of 24 hours a day in bed and grappling with yeah. those questions like, why do I exist? Do I exist to crush rock? Do I exist to be a good dad? You know, why am I here? What is my purpose? And he yeah. came out, thank goodness, um, and recognized, like, we got to exist to do more than just crush rock. We have to. So, you know, they changed their mission. This is a, a, a aggregate company to, um, we're going to ignite the potential in people. Yeah. Um, igniting human potential and um what's something else that we could do well besides crush rock and so we kind of put it out to the employees and associates and they said well maybe we should do this values-based leadership thing like people are asking us to do it so he said great go do it well as a business as you can imagine <laughs> it was not a very successful <laughs> business strategy and so around 2013 2014 they recognized that um, they were going to um have inner will exist kind of as part of the family's philanthropy so they have a foundation and then we've got our 501c3 nonprofit that exists to develop better people braver leaders in a wiser world um, and we do that through values-based leadership um my backing into this wonderful organization 
Um, my history really has been after I graduated, I'm from North Carolina and a recruiter called me and said, would you be interested in a job around values-based leadership? And I said, huh, that sounds really, really interesting. Let me think about it. And called all my friends in Richmond and said, hey, do you all know anything about inner will? No, we've never heard of it. It sounds like a cult. <laughs> so I said, all right, called the recruiter back up. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm not interested. Like, I really need to be in a, you know, for me, it's really important that the organizations I support and work with aren't a flash in the frying pan, that there's a commitment to really do this work. It takes a lot of grit and time and effort to, to kind of move nonprofits to a place of impact. Um, and so I want to know that this is, this is a real thing. And he said, okay. And so he, then he called me back and he said, so I was wrong. Like there's this family called luck, luck companies and the lucks are behind this. And I actually knew the lucks because they are a very philanthropic family. And I said, okay, I'm interesting. I'm in, I'm listening now. And really from there, you know, had the opportunity to come and meet Charlie and to meet, um, Wanda Ortwine, who, you know, the chief yep. family officer and Tom Epperson, who is the president now of Inner Will and um, other team members. And it was just like a, an immediate, like, this is where I need to be. Like, this is yeah. where I want to be. Um, I believe deeply in kind of the, the, the strength of um, people who are truly authentic and dedicated to a mission and and kind of casting a wide net. So I have yeah. always thought about nonprofits as like, they should be for everybody and they shouldn't be kind of polarizing. <laughs> and yeah. so this was something where I was like, well, everybody needs this. Like this could never be a flash in the frying pan. Who doesn't yeah. need this work? Everybody can has the potential to lead better and has the opportunity to lead better. So um, came into the business, funny enough, as a fundraiser and quickly recognized that we were not going to fundraise. So yeah. <laughs> uh, my work there really is around developing impactful partnerships with um, the communities, organizations, associations, and families that we work with. And then uh, the privilege of getting to do some of that work myself and facilitating and advising. That's fantastic, Betsy. Maybe tell us a little bit more. I mean, what is values-based leadership work? and and what does that mean to the, I mean, who finds you and tell us more about sort of what you do and unpacking sort of leadership potential. Often when people come to us, um, it's what you've heard a million times. Ugh, we're so dysfunctional and a mess and you'll never be able to fix us and da, 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 da. And we always like to just kind of say, <laughs> like even the healthiest organizations and people are dysfunctional. <laughs> so <laughs> we have seen it all. And we always like to say from a, a another um, client we had, he had a quote where he said, you don't have to be bad to be better, right? So there's always an opportunity to be better. As long as people are committed and aligned on that goal, that's all we need. And so when we're working with um, organizations, we kind of have three frameworks. So we have the values-based leadership for self, we have it for families and we have it for kind of the enterprise or the business. And so we know that our values are central to our effectiveness as leaders, right? And so when we talk about values-based leadership, we define it as choosing to live, work, and lead in alignment with our own core values to ignite 
the potential in others by helping them do the same. And one of our um, advising founding board members that many people know named Jim Kuzis, who kind of wrote the book on values, um, has really proven that when we act on our values, we feel less anxiety, we have more security, we perform better, we're more confident in our decisions, um, we experience less conflict because others know what to expect from us in our behavior because it's more consistent, right? And so more often than not, we kind of show up as the best version of ourselves. And to kind of bring it back to Charlie, he has a quote, he kind of puts it this way, um, which I'm gonna read, cause I'm gonna otherwise misquote him, um, <laughs> that his purpose in life is to help people reach their wildest dreams. Everyone has dreams and aspirations, but we all need other people to get there. If I can manage the eight pound monster on my shoulders, choose to be more understanding and compassionate and a little less relentlessly driven, then I can focus on helping others figure out what they need to reach their dreams. But that means I have to work on myself first. So again, starts with us. We believe that leadership is a choice. It is not a title. Does not matter if you are the CEO of a company or you know, the, the, the patriarch or the matriarch, these old terms, or, you know, you're just born, right? <laughs> like yeah. your leadership journey has started. And so our work is really born from that foundational level um, that with families, you know, with common values that, you know, that culminates in a shared vision and that unifies and excites the family across branches, across generations and they exist behind kind of financial desires right um and what's really important about that is families are messy like organizations they are made up of people we all have individual values we have our individual personality styles um and we have our individual needs and desires and sometimes that can run counter to kind of the collective goals right and so in the long run, being able to come together and align around something like values allows kind of a sense of commitment and responsibility. Um, and for us, it kind of serves as a compass. So tell me, Betsy, when do individuals, family members, organizations have this aha, like, oh, I need to start doing this work? I would imagine there's probably triggers, right? Certain major events or things happening where this kind of work becomes obvious that we need to figure this out. Can you give me some examples or tell me some stories of when sure. you're brought in? Sure, so <laughs> no surprise here, transitioning a business, right? So we all know it's one of the greatest challenges facing family business, right? It's succession planning. And you are now dealing with alignment between the business, the owners, and the family. And we all are very familiar with that three-circle model. Everybody might have the same goal. They want to transition the business. Um, however, <laughs> there are, once again, different needs, goals, visions are not aligned um you name it right so conflict is inevitable and really this conflict is what prevents this goal of succession from being achieved and so 
for the most part, many organ, many families who come to us or businesses come to us, this is not their first rodeo. They have been doing this for years, either as a family and just arguing about it, like when are we going to bring in somebody from the outside, or they've been working with somebody from the outside, but they have not actually done the work, which seems really simple. And we make it really simple, right? Like when you look at some of the things that we're talking about, we want it to be practical and accessible. So, you know, be clear on your blind spots and your strengths and weaknesses. Ask for feedback. Um, give feedback. It's a lot harder <laughs> in practice than yeah. it is when you're just like, oh, that's an easy concept. And so really when people come to us, it is because they are at a place where either they've tried a lot of things and nothing's working um, or they are just, um, they're, they're aware that they need a facilitator to help manage kind of all the differing kind of what we call lack of alignment, right? Lack of a shared vision, lack of a shared purpose. Um, and what we are not, we are not financial advisors and we are not lawyers. Um, we will gladly bring in our friends who are, but I think we really focus just on the people part of it, right? And so we really feel like if you can have high trust, transparent communication, and align around kind of a shared vision, and then be really, really clear around how your own personal core values then align with kind of the family values or the business values, that is going to help navigate those decisions. We use them as a lens, right? So if we are working with a family and they are having to decide, they have a piece of real estate and they're trying to figure out, should we sell it? Should we develop it? Like, what should we do with it? Often, we will say, use your values as a lens, right? Like what, at, when you're having these family conversations. Um, and for some families, they get it really quickly. <laughs> and for some families, it takes a while. But, you know, we had a family that came to us and said, we're a mess. We're never going to get this done. It was actually the spouses that came to us who, you know, wanted to start a family council. We'll never be able to get through all the conflict. People, there's a rift. Blah, blah, blah. And I mean, like, they are killing it now. We are basically, I think all we're really doing is helping their family retreats, right? And then like being here as advisors. So it really is, again, not a magic bullet, <laughs> but it is a tool that when used consistently, effectively, you got to use it, right? You got to talk about the values. You need to put them <clears throat> in action. And do you find that, um, maybe there's like one family member or one leader in an organization that finds you and wants to try this out on themselves first before they're introducing it more broadly or how, I mean, when's a good time or when do you see people start to lean in and find you and say, yeah. I get the value of values. Like let's, let's get this going. Yep. Often, um, they hear about it. Maybe they've, they've, they've heard about, they've heard a speaker, they've heard about a book or they've seen, you know, they've just seen it. Right. And it will, it might be one person who says, this makes a lot of sense to me. Like I, I'm 
done with the kind of hamster wheel of either we're gonna brush things underneath the rug or we're gonna scream about it and we're never gonna get anywhere and you know this isn't it's usually you know somewhere in the now generation i would say sometimes it's a next gen but often like it's somebody in now gen who has some influence um and the way that we partner with folks is we will say well let's start with discovery right we're going to do a lot of discovery and what that's going to mean is that we're going to want to interview you and then we're going to want to interview any of the people that are it's going to be important that they're a part of this work right so a if they say you're not going to be able to interview these people then we might say might not be the right time happy to work with you one-on-one -on -one, but if, if your family isn't we cannot want it more than they can that's our thing right we can never want it more than they can um yeah. so our first step really is taking some time and this is really part of our process. It is not something that we charge for um, because we believe in the impact and actually adding value where we spend time with the individuals who are really kind of gonna be the key stakeholders in this work. And we try and we ask them questions, right? And then afterwards we kind of put a report together and say, here's what we heard. This is where you're super aligned and maybe here are the opportunities for you kind of to collectively work on. And we present it to them. And if we hear in that interview process that, wow, like there's a couple key stakeholders that I don't know if we can get them there. We might say, yeah. maybe you need to go back and work on this. We don't recommend investing the time, energy, and resources in this work right now, because you're going to end back up at where you are right now. If people are unwilling to commit to coming and doing this work, you know, we might be facilitating a half day session then you all need to go and actually do the work <laughs> over the next several weeks, right? Like we're not doing that for you. And yeah. so I think, you know, it typically ends up that we, we move forward, but we are not right for everybody. I recently was with a family and the CEO, uh, the current CEO who is trying to transition out of the business said point blank that, um she didn't care if the family fought and had conflict that wasn't important to her she just wanted to get out of the business and so we said well we completely respect that you are not going to appreciate our process then this is not yeah. going to be good for you so it sounds like in addition to the values-based leadership work this kind of comes at through the back door of conflict management and also helping families appreciate see differences but realize that they've got to figure out how to work with it, manage it, or align the differences so that you can, you know, compartmentalize. Do you ever see families who go through this process and actually really come to terms with maybe they're, you know, maybe a, a healthy amicable split um, isn't a bad thing, you know, that, yeah. hey, listen, we, we've grown apart, we're not really on the same page, and we can get through this and be okay absolutely and we have seen families like what we call something that we practice is um disagreeing well which you really can't get to until you are highly aware again of your values right because they are so tightly enmeshed with our emotions um yeah. but kirby i could ask you like 
think back to the last time you experienced a strong emotion, right? What was it? Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. Was it happiness? Was it sadness? Was it joy? Was it anger? Like, what was it? <laughs> that emotion was gratitude. I was feeling really thankful. Just uh, I was hosting it and having my family and extended family. So, you know, the pandemic has put family at a very high place for me. Yeah. So chances are, if you pull back the covers there, you'll find one of your values at the heart of it, right? Like you probably really value family, right? Or relationships. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so when we think about that, um, and when we think about the conflicts that we get in, um, we really have to think about the emotions we're experiencing, right? So it, because it typically does, and often with families or anyone, but especially with families, um, we see it, we take things so personally, right? But yeah. that might not be the case. So for example, we have a family that we work with where, you know, one of the family members really values hard work and the other one really adventures like fun and adventure. He loves to go out and ski and hike and do all these things. And they had him on the board of 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 the the business, and he kind of he came to it and said like I don't think this is where I need to be. Like mm. I'm fine to step off this board. Like I'm not adding value. I'm I'm not feeling like this is something that I need to do. And they they came to it on their own. Um, other mm -hmm. organizations that you know or families that we work with where um, there may have been a rift because of the business. And so that caused the family member to not want to come to Thanksgivings or holidays or events, which was really painful, right? Yeah. But through this work, being able to understand kind of what we call disagreeing well, um, they are now able to come to these really precious family events and not talk about the business and not get wrapped up in that piece of it. Um, and that's really what this is about, right? It's about the longevity of the family. It's, you know, who knows what the world's gonna be like in a hundred years. So. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like this also becomes like a portal or an opening to have much more generative and healthy discussions and dialogue. And, and it can also help maybe break down hurdles and barriers that become sort of conditioned, right? We kind of like, ooh, can't go there. Don't talk about that. Or, ooh, I'm avoiding like seeing this person or this topic because we always sort of come at odds or have strife around it. So it sounds like, you know, this can also do a lot to men fences or potentially at least start to understand, you know, we don't have the same values to connect on XYZ issues. So that's okay. Like. I can very much have a different opinion, respect yours, but not feel like we have to be aligned, right? Um, on all things. It's like, we are not trying to make cookie cutter copies of people where we all act yeah. and do the same thing. Like there is so much strength in our individuality and kind of the sum of our parts, right? And so if we're all kind of just conditioned to be the same, that's not how innovation happens. That's not how growth happens. That's not how impact happens. But having that kind of framework of, as a family, we can come together around these things. And it's okay that, you know, I like football and you like opera and we can still have a really good time together. Yeah, yeah. 
So powerful, so inspiring, so exciting. Thank you so much for inspiring. I think so many folks know they want to start somewhere, but they're, they're, they may not know where. And, you know, this is just <clears throat> one tiny little step. I know you mentioned that if they visit innerwell.org, you have additional resources that you think you even mentioned a book that folks can read if they're so inclined to, you know, get going and self-study. Um, and I'm so grateful, Betsy, for just the chance to talk to you today. You're a busy lady, um, inspiring so many individuals, families, and organizations. So it's a real privilege to have you here today on the Tamron Learning Podcast, just scratching the surface of values-based leadership, but knowing what a major difference it can make for individuals, their families, and the organizations they work in. So thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Gerby. Take care.